our sense of smell has such power and influence on us every single day. In fact, I'm told that there are certain fragrances that can affect our moods, good or bad. There are certain fragrances that affect our thinking, good or bad. There are certain fragrances that affect our response to people, <laughs> and that too, good or bad. Other fragrances can evoke memories. In fact, I heard the story, it's a true story, that taken place in London, England, where people actually use the power of smell to do business. It's true, and I'm not talking about perfume. <laughs> um, Andy was a bell collector for a London magazine. Uh, he was considered to be a walking stink bomb. But he was extremely successful in collecting delinquent accounts <laughs> from advertisers in the magazine. Andy dressed in a 22-year-old raincoat, uh, which had the most awful smell possible. And he would go to an office, particularly of those who owe money to their magazine, and this is where he goes, and he sits in that office. I mean, he gets into the reception area or the waiting area, wherever there are people, he just goes there, and he would not budge until he gets the money. His raincoat generated such a foul smell that can only be described either as a, a smell of a skunk or a rotten eggs. Receptionists and secretaries and people in the office area, if they were waiting, they literally go out heaving. They, they, they can't breathe. They have to walk outside to get some fresh air. Ah, oh, but Andy was very successful <laughs> in collecting the debts because he never leaves without payment. This is using the power smell to your advantage. But when I read that true story, I realized that this should be quite the opposite for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. People become attracted to a Spirit-filled person. Uh, people are, want to be around a Spirit-filled person. Uh, people want to ask the advice and the counsel of a Spirit-filled person. Why? because of the fragrance of the Holy Spirit that is filling them day by day, moment by moment. And when the Bible tells us about the sacred oil of God, it was not just olive oil. It was not just ordinary oil. The olive oil was part of the sacred oil of God, but was not all. Because in the Old Testament, that sacred oil of God was a representation of the Holy Spirit. Everything in the Old Testament is a shadow that's been fulfilled when Christ came. And so, God said to Moses, I want you to mix certain spices in order to be mixed with oil, and that will serve as symbol of the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn with me to Exodus Chapter 30, verse 22 and following. God gave Moses these specific ingredients of these specific spices and the ingredients that goes into the holy oil or the sacred oil of God, the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. This is very important. I don't want you to miss it. Because this is not just a hodgepodge of concoctions that God kind of said, well, you know, you just throw these things together and you come up with holy oil. No, no, no. These four spices 
added to the olive oil are to be made into the sacred oil, which is the symbol of the Holy Spirit, and every one of those four spices represents an aspect of the Holy Spirit. That's why they're important. I don't want you to miss it. In fact, some scholars have said that this specific mixture that has been put together cannot be duplicated or imitated. In fact, God said if anybody does, they need to be cut off. Why? Because it is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. When people smelled it, they immediately knew this is a sacred place. This is a holy place if it is anointed the place of worship. When people smelled the person, they immediately said, oh, this person is anointed by the sacred oil of God. He must be a priest. He belongs to God. He's been set aside for God. And that is why God deliberately chose every one of these spices. God asked Moses to anoint the sacred place for worship. Why? So it is set aside for the worship of God and God alone. And then he said, you need to use that oil to anoint Aaron and his sons, the Levites, to be priests who serve me in my temple. And I'm going to show you in a minute why the Holy Spirit is in the believers, because we are all priests. I'm going to come to that in a minute. But first, I want to give you a summary of these four spices and what they mean and why they are powerful, powerful symbols. First, you have the myrrh. You've heard about the myrrh. In fact, myrrh is very, very bitter to taste. You can't even get it near your tongue. It is so bitter. And yet, it has a sweet aroma that is so unique that cannot be duplicated. It is the most desirable to smell, and yet you cannot taste it. It has a medicinal value, actually made it to be very rare, and it's very hard to get because doctors used it as antiseptic. They used it as a healing agent for all sorts of ailments. And I want you to hear me right, because this is really is going to bless you. Because God has a purpose for that myrrh going into that mixture. And God using the myrrh, He is saying to us, He was saying to His people back then, and He's saying to us today, that my Holy Spirit can heal all of your wounds of your past sins. That my Holy Spirit can raise you above your pain and above your failure and above your discouragement. That my Holy Spirit releases Christ's fragrance in your life. That my Holy Spirit can release Christ's grace in your life. That my Holy Spirit will equip you, will equip you to deal with any pain will come your way. It will equip you to overcome any problem that you may face. It will equip you to meet any challenges that come your way. It will equip you to rise above the flood of your circumstances. Isn't God wonderful? Isn't God wonderful? Amen. No wonder the wise men, you remember the Christmas story? The wise men came, and they brought, among other things, myrrh. Why? They were prophesying of the bitterness of the cross and the beautiful aroma, the fragrance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secondly, there's cinnamon. Cinnamon was even more rare than myrrh. Cinnamon is a delightful spice. 
It's great to taste, but it's even more beautiful to smell. Oh, but the oil of the cinnamon is extracted by fire, much the same way as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit burns all of the dross and the junk in your life and in mine. He is the one who comes in and brings out the smell and the beautiful fragrance of Christ in your life and in mine. And as we saw in the last message, that in the filling of the Holy Spirit, that you cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you ask for it 20,000 times a day, you cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit unless and until you surrender the keys of your life to Him. And then He comes in to fill you. But you know, and I know, surrender and control is very painful. It's fire-like. It's purging. But it's all beautiful aroma. Thirdly, The third element that God said should go into the sacred oil, which represents the Holy Spirit of God, is calamus. Calamus is a very sweet cane or reed-like. If you've seen a sugar cane or a reed cane, bamboo, like bamboo type thing, oh, but did you know that that sweet smell that comes from that reed, the calamus, can only come after it's been bruised, only when the reed is broken and bruised, the truly beautiful fragrance can be released and enjoyed. No wonder Isaiah 53 says that Jesus was bruised for our transgressions. Listen to me, beloved friend. Listen to me. And that is why, that is why pride and arrogance and independence and stubbornness and self-will and self-satisfaction and self-righteousness do not reflect the Spirit of Jesus. They do not reflect the Spirit-filled life. They do not reflect the beautiful aroma that attracts people to Christ. Fourthly, the fourth spice that goes into that sacred oil, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, is cassia. Now, doctors used cassia as a purging medicine. Uh, It's very similar smell to cinnamon, but more pungent in its smell. In fact, the Hebrew word for cassia, actually literally translated, it means cleansing. It means cleansing. And that is why the Holy Spirit purifies us. That's why the Holy Spirit cleanses us. That's why the Holy Spirit refines us. That's why the Holy Spirit sanctifies us and sets us aside and makes us Christ-like every day when we are filled of Him. And the Holy Spirit also gives us victory over all what hinders us from becoming like Christ. And finally, the olives are crushed, and the oil is mixed with those four spices to become the sacred oil of God. Here's what God said to Moses. He said, use this oil to anoint that place of worship. (laughs) So when people come here, they will know my presence. They will sense my presence. They know that I'm here. The Bible said that God inhabits the praises of His people. And when you are praising God, the Holy Spirit is the one who's breaking you. The Holy Spirit is the one who's ministering to you. And that is why the place of worship was anointed by the symbol of the Holy Spirit. So when people come, they can have an encounter with the living God. And then he said to him, you need to anoint all of the priests. And later on, they used it to anoint king as well. But what it means to anoint the priest? God is saying, set them aside. 
for a specific person, for serving the temple. Set them aside for my plan. Set them aside for my glory. Set them aside so that they will glorify and accomplish my glorious purpose in their life and in the life of my congregation. And that is why, beloved friend, listen to me. In the New Testament, we do not have priests because the Bible said, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, whether you're a boy or girl, man or woman, you are a priest. We no longer need somebody to intercede between us and God and offer sacrifice because Jesus, the great high priest, paid all the price on Calvary. And that is why He calls us, we are a royal priesthood, and we are the ones who are now anointed by that oil. We are the ones who are to spread that fragrance and aroma that people will see us and they know Christ. Not only that, but that oil was also used for the anointing of the leper after he was healed. Did you get that? They did not anoint the leper with oil while he still has his leprosy. No, it's after he's healed. The normal procedure is after the healing takes place, the leper would go to the priest, and the priest would declare him healed, and then gets anointed by the sacred oil. And then he is anointed by that symbol of the Holy Spirit. And in the same way in the New Testament, after you repent and turn to the Lord, after you confess your sin and receive the gift of eternal life, after you're adopted by God Himself to be His son or daughter, after that the Holy Spirit anoints you. The Holy Spirit comes in and indwells you. The believer, after they come to Christ, they become indwelt of the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit, and they're supposed to be continuously filled of the Holy Spirit. You have been set aside by God. He knew you by name before you were ever born. He set you aside. And he said, you are to be distinguished from the rest of the population of the world because you are mine. You are royal priesthood. Not only that, but the oil was also used to light the lamp in the temple, which is a symbolic of the shedding of the light of the Holy Spirit into the Word of God. I've met people who before they gave their life to Christ said, you know, I read the Bible. I don't understand it. I can't make head or tails of it. And then after they come to Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells them, they devour the Scripture. They're reading it with great joy and with great excitement. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit came and dwelt in them, and He's opening their eyes to understand the Scripture. But also, that oil of the Holy Spirit prepares our hearts, prepares our minds. He prepares us for the coming of Christ. If you're a person who's afraid of the coming of Christ, you don't know the Lord, and I hope that you will today. What a great day would that be. But if the Holy Spirit is dwelling in you, you are excited at the thought of Christ coming. Whether you're going to see Him first or He comes to see you, <laughs> whichever way is fine by me. Come, Lord Jesus. Because that oil prepares our heart, and we're ready. If He comes today, I'm ready. If He comes this afternoon, I'm ready. If He comes tomorrow, I'm ready. If He comes whenever, 10 years from now, I'm ready. It doesn't matter. 
Why? Because I have the oil of the Holy Spirit in my heart. Because you have the oil of the Holy Spirit in your heart. How many of you remember the parable of Jesus of the ten virgins? You remember that parable? The ten virgins, five, had their oil, the lamps filled with oil, and the other fives, they did not have oil and they were waiting for the bridegroom to come. And then when the bridegroom comes suddenly, the five who had oil, they were rejoicing. They were excited. They were happy because they have oil in their lamps, but the other ones didn't. They have, may have been members of a local church, but they did not have the Holy Spirit. They may have been religious people, but they did not have the Holy Spirit. They may have been supporters of charity and are philanthropists and written about them in the papers. Oh, but they do not have the Holy Spirit. They may have attended churches. They may have heard the message but never responded to it. Ah, they don't have the Holy Spirit. And so, in the last day, when the bridegroom comes, they're not going to be ready. They're not prepared. They will be in a pickle. They will be in a heap of trouble. They will be in, in a terrible panic, in a terrible predicament. They, they will try to repent, but it's too late. There's no second chance. The Bible said, Jesus said, they will go out and try to get the oil, but they can't find it. The oil is gone. No wonder Jesus calls them foolish. Foolish. How does the believing Christian then know and manifest the fullness of the Holy Spirit? I raised that question in the last message when I talked about the difference between quenching and grieving and how to be filled of the Holy Spirit as the wind fills the sails. And I've asked the question, how do you know that you are filled of the Holy Spirit, that you are continuously being filled? And I told you, I'm going to tell you more about this in the next message. And here I am. Ephesians chapter 5, right after the command, verse 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. It's in the imperative mood. We saw that in the last message. Right after that, right after that command, be filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul immediately goes on to give us proof of the filling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there are two proofs in those few verses. There is the inward proof, that is to prove to yourself that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. There is the outward proof, as we're going to see in verse, verse 21. There is that inward proof. How do I know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, right after he says, be filled, he immediately goes on to talk about the proof. Verse 19 and 20. The inward manifestation of how do I know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? The outward manifestation, how do others know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? First, the inward manifestation. How do I know? Paul answers the question immediately in verse 19. Did you know there is no comma? I don't know what your Bible says between verses 18 and 19. If there's a period, this is not even a comma in the original language. In the sense, Paul literally didn't take his breath when he says, Be ye filled of the Holy Spirit, and immediately goes on to say, Speak with one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
Isn't it amazing? Let me tell you something. I don't care whether you can carry a tune in a bucket or not, but this is the inward evidence that the Holy Spirit is filling you moment by moment, day by day. Because you cannot continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit without a song in your heart. You know, I get up early, as most of you know, every single day the Lord privileges me with having a new song. Every morning I wake up, a song going through my head before I even get out of bed. And do you know that this is unique to the Christian faith? It really is. The Buddhists have their temples, but they have no song. The Hindus have their mantras, but they have no song. The Muslims have laws and rules that govern every waking moment, but they have no song. And when you are continuously being filled with the aroma of the Spirit of God, that fragrance of joy and joyfulness is going to be filling your life. No wonder the Apostle Paul, when he and Silas, they were beaten, they were bleeding, and they were put in the inner prison, and there were they crying to God and saying, Oh God, what are you doing? Look what we've done for you. We preach the gospel faithfully, and we end up in prison. What's wrong with you, God? Why can't you answer our prayers, God? What's happened to us because of our faithfulness to God? Did they say that? No. Do you know what they were doing? They were singing. In the middle of the night, they were singing praises to the Lord. Beloved, listen to me. When you are constantly being filled with the Spirit of God, whatever your midnight may be, whether it is financial difficulties, and whether it is physical pain, whether it is spiritual attack, whether it is prayers have not been answered yet, whether it is that you have been hurt deeply by somebody, whether your midnight be, whatever it may be, God will give you a song in the middle of the night. You know, I'm so glad he said, sing in your heart. <laughs> Not in your vo- with your vocal cords, but that doesn't stop me. <laughs> I sing in my heart. I sing in my car. I sing in the shower. I sing at home. I sing in church. <laughs> and those who are musically inclined tell me that it's like fingernails on a blackboard. <laughs> God bless them. I am not apologizing. <laughs> because nothing is going to stop me from having a song in my heart. The devil cannot. My circumstances cannot. The enemies of Christ cannot. Those who hate the truth that I proclaim cannot. And those who are maligning me cannot. No one can stop me from singing because Jesus saved my life. I'm also glad for another thing. Paul said, make melody. <laughs> you notice that? He didn't say harmonize. <laughs> he didn't say sing on note. <laughs> He said, make melody. Then verse 20 says, and giving thanks always, all the time. How often? How often? Oh, somebody says, Michael, you don't understand. You just stand in there and preach these wonderful sermons, but you don't know my situation. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know my wife. You don't know my husband. You don't know my job. You don't know my boss. No, I don't. I'm no stranger to challenges in life, but be that as it may, the Scripture is very clear that giving thanks always 
is an indication that you are being filled of the Holy Spirit continuously. It's an indication that the Holy Spirit is leading you. It's an indication that the Holy Spirit is guiding you. It is an indication that you are continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit because when you are continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to recognize that God is in control of all your circumstances, that God is working His purpose out in all of your circumstances, that God is trying to minister to you in the midst of your tough circumstances, that God has the power and the will to bring good out of your circumstances. Oh, it's easy to thank God when things are going hunky-dory in your life. I'm sure I know that. But it is a Spirit-filled life that a Spirit-filled person who can thank God when they're going through the fire and when they're going through the flood. Listen to what Jonah said. Not after he got out of that slimy intestine of the whale, but in the middle of it. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed, what I've owed. Salvation is the Lord's. Listen, thanksgiving at the blackness of your midnight, whatever it may be, moves God to action. Thanksgiving in the darkness of your circumstances honors God and causes God to move on your behalf. No, amen belongs here. Oh, that's inward manifestation of the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's why he goes immediately, the next verse, 21, and he talks about the outward manifestation of being continuously filled with the Spirit. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence to the Lord. Ah, the aroma of the Holy Spirit. The aroma of the Holy Spirit in your life and in mine can only be evidenced in relationships. Jesus, God of very God who became man of very man, the greatest man who ever walked the earth, takes a basin and he puts water in it and he washes his disciples' filthy feet. Beloved, listen to me. It's the Spirit-filled people who build each other up. In a world when sometimes you see husbands and wives tearing each other down, in a world where some want to push themselves to the front line, in a world where some are so full of their own importance that they never listen to others, oh, the Spirit-filled person has this attractive aroma the beautiful smell of the Holy Spirit, not just in what they say, but how they listen. How they listen. That's the attractiveness of a Holy Spirit. Why does the Spirit-filled person must be able to submit to one another? He said, out of reverence. Some of the translations said fear, but that's what it means, reverence, not terror. But out of reverence for God. Because you are created in the image of God. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to be reigning and ruling together. We have heavenly blood, a special type of blood that's flowing through our bodies. That we're going to be together for eternity. And that's why he said this submission manifests itself between child-parent relationship, between husband-wife relationship, and between employer-employee relationship, and between members of the one church. 
I know you heard people like I have who say, oh, I'm not getting much out of the church these days. Beloved, listen to me. Listen to me. That is not the Spirit-filled life. That is not the Spirit-filled life. Because you are coming here, first and foremost, to give God, to give Him praise, to give Him worship, to give Him adoration. And the Bible said He indwells the praises of His people. And therefore, He turns the table around, and His very presence blesses you, encourages you, and you go out of here ready to serve Him in your mission fields. And so the question should be, ah, how can I serve? How can I give of myself? How can I glorify the name of Jesus? How can I lift up the name of Jesus? How can I bless others? How can I love others? How can I encourage others? How can I spread the aroma of the Holy Spirit everywhere I go? But then there may be somebody here who says, you know, I really have not come to that point of commitment yet. I've never really committed my life. I might recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I, I, I need salvation. I need forgiveness, but I never came to that point. Well, today is the day. Don't put it off. Don't postpone it. Say, Holy Spirit of God, come into my life. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Thank you for saving me on the cross. I come to you, and then come as I pray. Will you pour your heart out to God? Let's pray together. If the Holy Spirit convicted you and said, I've been wanting you to yield these territories that you're holding and you're locking me out. I need you to surrender so I can fill you. In all these empty places in your life, I want to fill you. Will you surrender them? The Lord Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, take all areas of my life. Be the wind in my sail. Lead the ship of my life. I am not the captain. You are. And if you want to pray for the first time, say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Deliver me from guilt. I receive your gift of eternal life. Father, we thank you that you are a mighty God, you're a powerful God, and you have not left yourself without a witness. And we thank you that you keep speaking to us day after day after day. May we not harden our hearts lest we get into trouble. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.